Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 22 of Sword and Spirit, a podcast by First Baptist Church, Bay St. Louis. Today we've got part one of the topic, parenting. So let's jump right in. Parenting is hard, and as they say, it takes a village. So today we will have a podcast on parenting. My name is Lacey Pierce, and I'm the children's minister here at the church, and I will be the host, and I will be interviewing our two special guests, Betsy Harville, who is a licensed clinical social worker, and Christy Roberts, who is a licensed professional counselor. I have questions that some parents from our church have sent in and some other parents, and so we'll go ahead and jump right in. The first question is, what is the most important thing a parent can and should do? Well, I will say this, Lacey, thanks for asking, but um, before we get started, I do want to say that uh, Betsy and I are not experts on parenting. We, we both have degrees. We have worked with children. We are parents, but we are also on this journey with all the listeners out there. And so I hope that you would take away from this podcast today. These are just some tools, you know, some resources, some ideas, but ultimately the authority is the Lord, right? We should be praying, um, asking the Lord to help us as we are parenting, spending time in the word, praying over our children. And so I hope no one compares themselves because that is a big issue I think today is when we look at other people and say oh I wish I did it like that or I wish I did it like this we can take some ideas from that change some things if we need to but comparison is really the enemy uh, trying to get at us if we are following the Lord and doing what he has asked then that is who our authority comes from that's who our identity is in and that's his parents what we need to be doing and so the first question is, what um, is the most important thing a parent should do? Well, I think the most important thing we should be doing, number one, is praying uh, over our children um, and sharing the gospel with our kids. I think any opportunity we can to share with them, the gospel is going to be how they know who Jesus is and how their life is going to be changed um, and helping them understand what that means, how to do that, always pointing them back to the Lord, modeling for them in your family, but especially praying and and sharing with them. Absolutely. Uh, Chrissy, I think you've pretty much covered that one. So our next question is, how do we help our kids keep Christ first in their lives? I think, first of all, we have to model it here as parents. Um, We can't just tell them, do what I um, say and not do it ourselves. Um, Taking them to church and all um, related activities that we have access to, we can't do everything. But when when we um, make that a focus and we make it, we're purposeful about that, um, it tells our kids that that's important. And um, and then we're, we're, um, and being involved in that if you can, you know. praying for your kids, Um, talking to others about Christ in front of your kids is big because we want our kids to share um, Jesus as they grow. But if we're not doing it, they're they're not going to do it as well. They have to see it in action. Um, And redirecting um, our decisions, like always to Christ, you know, um, why do we do this? And and bringing out the Bible, you know, and just um, all... um, 
all situations are spiritual and um, we have to remember remember that we live in a world that does not live that way especially right now and we need to um, redirect that that's right I think if you have older kids too I'd like to add to this um as parents, we're kind of like the Holy Spirit, right? And so we're helping them know right and wrong. If you have a child who has made a profession of faith, have them pray about it first if they have a situation going on in in, in school or something like if your your daughter or son says, hey, I'm, I'm really upset about this thing. You know, I always uh, tell Rebecca, hey, why don't you go ahead, go pray about that, see what, see what God has to say about that, how you should approach that, and then let's talk about that. Because I feel like when they're older, we need to start trying to point them to the Lord. We also need to come back and have that discussion with them because we're their parents, but really trying to help them seek from the Lord what they're supposed to do. Um, and so just, especially if you have older kids, that's, that's a good thing. If you have younger kids, like Betsy said too, you can model that. Well, let's pray about that right now. Let's, let's see what the Lord wants us to do about that situation. Um, and then just kind of going from there. Great. Our next question is, should I push salvation on my kids or should I wait until they come to me? Then once they are saved, should I push baptism or should I wait? Well, that is, um, I think, do we want to push salvation on our kids? That, that word push, of course not. But do we want to always have conversations about what it means to be saved, about what it means to follow Jesus? Of course. We need to be having gospel-centered conversations all the time. Um, I think that once they make that decision to follow him, then I think baptism has to be their decision um i think if we're discipling them though we're we're talking to them about hey baptism is a way to share publicly the decision that you've made um i don't want to force you to do that but i feel like let's pray about when the holy spirit wants you to do that because that's a part of being obedient and that's how we let people know uh, that we're followers. And so I think we have to be very careful with that word push. I think we do need to be always talking about it. It does not need to be in the background, but I do think that wording it, you know, correctly is important too. Because, you know, if you ask a kid, hey, do you believe in Jesus? (laughs) They're going to say, yes, I do, uh, because they do, but it's it's understanding what that means like. Absolutely. Yeah, right. I was. A, I um. I wanted to mention like when um, Reagan was little, um, went to speak to the pastor, and um, when he spoke with her, my younger daughter was sitting in the next door, next room, and she overheard a lot of the conversation. And so there's a lot of times we're talking about the gospel story to our kids, and there's a lot of analogies that are brought on, and they were talking about the death, burial, and resurrection, you know, like and what it meant to be baptized, and right. so like. She got in the car on the way home, and she's like, Mama, that was the saddest thing. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, Danielle's not going to be able to get married. She's not going to have kids. And I'm like, wait a minute. What What are you talking about? I'm confused. And she's like, Mama, I am too. And we had to sit down and just talk about that. So there's a lot of times conversations about the gospel yes. are being had with our kids or they're overhearing it. So it's important that we're talking about it and talking about what does that mean for the Jesus to be in my heart. Yes. And those things, so it can push them away and scare them. And so that's... 
I did remember one time, I remember clearly after I heard the gospel, I was sitting, taking a bath, and I remember telling my parents, hey, Jesus invaded my body, okay? That was what I felt like. And that's not really what happened, but I really felt the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's important for our children. It needs to be the decision where they truly realize, hey, I'm a sinful person. And... I feel the Holy Spirit forgiving me of my mm-hmm. sins. I realize I need a Savior. I'm breaking down. I can't do this on my own. So I think we do have to be very diligent about explaining, talking. And honestly, one thing, Lacey, I do is I pray over my children in front of them for them to be saved. I always yes. pray uh, mm-hmm. at night, Lord, um, you know, so-and-so, help them to hear the Holy Spirit, help them to follow you with all their heart, to know that they're a sinful person. I I basically pray it over them, and they know that I pray that. And I think that's also important to let our kids know, hey, we're praying for the Lord to to show himself to you for as you read scripture to know him. Absolutely. So our next question is, how should parents interact with other authorities in their children's lives such as teachers and coaches, and what if you have a conflict with them? Well, I think relationship is key here. I think that um, if you don't have a relationship with the authority in your child's life, then um, they're not going to have a relationship with your child. And you have to teach your child to respect the authority, you know. And um, when there is a conflict with the, the um, authority, if it's, if it's coming from the child, I think it's always to, um, safe to say, try to give the authority member the benefit of the doubt. Um, don't make excuses for your child. That's right. Um, and get, teach your kid to pray for them, you know, and, and pray about whatever the situation is. We run to conclusions because we want to be mama bear sometimes. And a lot of times there's just a lot of misunderstanding that's going on. And um, kids, you know, the communication is huge. These um, authority members, um, their authority figures, sorry, they um, they care about what they do. They didn't just go into um, coaching or teaching voice lessons or whatever you're, that they are um, without a love for children. But sometimes life gets in the way too, and they have families too. And so we need to care for them, like how are you doing, and try to build that relationship Um and if it comes to the point where you have to have a meeting, set it up. Don't talk about the the authority figure without them present. Like Scripture tells us, go to the person. And That's so right. we need to go to them and we need to have that conversation, but not start off with the problem. We need to start off with like a peace offering, you know, like how are you? You know, I appreciate that you take this time with my kid and all these kids um, because it does take time and we need to – encourage as much as we can um and we um, just need to teach that and sometimes you do have to part ways but you've got to you've got to be praying and you've got to make sure that that's something the holy spirit is leading it's not you know definitely i think you said that well and i would just say positive right putting that trust in there and ministering to them like you said we are entrusting them with our kids and we need to show them respect and minister to them and be jesus to them I think it's also good, like, maybe even tell them, I'm praying for you. Yes. You know, that's huge when you hear somebody's praying for you in their ministry, you know. 
Exactly. Because what they're doing, they may not be out for outwardly talking about Jesus to your kids, but it is a ministry, what they're doing. And so, like, but you can be praying, you know, God impact this this um, this experience for my kids. All right. Our next question is, what is the best form of discipline? Should I spank my children? Should I put them in time out? Well, Lacey, that's a, <laughs> that's a big question. I feel like discipline is a touchy subject, but I, I think it also is important to have boundaries with your kids. Absolutely. I think in some instances, spanking is appropriate. Uh, if that is what your family has deemed appropriate. I think also behavior, you know, consequences, natural consequences are big. You know, Betsy and I have talked about this before. Um, because part of discipline is not just about being angry. That that should not be a part of discipline. If, you're, if you are disciplining in anger, you need to take a timeout. Okay, I'm, I'm telling parents, we, we need to take a moment and be able that we can come and hey I'm speaking from experience here too I'm talking to myself we need to take a moment so that we can figure out the best response for the kid and each kid is different they're going to respond differently some kids respond to spanking an aggressive kid some a kid that has maybe some abuse abuse you know physical discipline is not going to be the right choice that's not going to be the right choice for that um also depending on what they can do but I think honestly as a parent we have to be calm when we are administrating that and and we are preparing our children to be in the world all right and that includes jobs that includes going to school respecting others if they're not respecting us in our house and we're not putting parameters around for that they're not going to be successful in school they're not going to be successful in other ways. And so you have to think about that. Boundaries, and I'm talking about boundaries because that includes discipline, is putting that parameter of what is expected, yes. having a conversation with your kid. These are the expectations in the house. These are the rules. These are your chores. These are this. Whatever your family has deemed, get, especially if they're older, now I'm jumping a little ahead, get them involved Absolutely. in what the consequence is. Have them set the parameter and the consequence. And so then, especially for teenagers, because it changes, and I know this, because then we want to say, it's because I told you so, which, yes, we, we want them to respect us. But instead of getting into an argument, they'd be saying, hey, remember when we talked about this family contract? You decided if you came home late after curfew, this is what was you felt was fair. So you decided this. So putting it back on that and saying this is what we have to do. But I will say this, the key to whatever discipline that you do, and, and Betsy will have some things to add to this, you've got to follow through with that. You cannot say, I'm going to do this and not do it. Now, if you forget or something happens, then you need to go to the kid and say, hey, you know what? I, uh, Mom did not hold you accountable for this. I apologize for that. I'm coming back. Let's talk about what that looked like. A lot of times I use natural consequences, Lacey, like if something happens, they don't get something done. I told them, oh, sorry, you, you're not going out with your friends because if we can't get this done, then we don't have free time, you know, for our friends. If uh, they forget their lunchbox at home, I know this might sound harsh, um, 
Yeah, no lunch today. No lunch. <laughs> no lunch today. I'm not going to call grandma to go get it because honestly, tomorrow you have to remember to get that. Especially all you parents out there, if you're a single parent, if you're double parent, we're getting everything ready. Kids need to have responsibilities. They can, based on their age, even the smallest kid, you can give them responsibilities and things to do and give them control. And, and so my thing would be, sometimes spanking is appropriate, depends on your family and what it is. And it, for safety. I think for us, for our family, we do spank if it is a safety issue because they have to understand they could die if that happens. So right. I need them to understand the importance of that. Also, there's follow-through. The follow-through has to be there. And they have to understand why you're doing this discipline. We have to talk with them. It just can't be like, get in there. You're doing this. I'm not talking to you. We need to say, hey, I need you to go to your room and think about this. And then we need to come back later and we need to talk about how that went. Why did this happen? What did that do? And we need to see how we can make a plan for the next time. Absolutely, Christy. That's where I was going out. I was thinking she's hidden all the points but I'm like that follow-up afterwards is that reconnect it's so important like do they know what they did wrong are they remorseful where is their heart here and sit down there and pray with them you know That's um, right. pull out scripture and talk to them about what just happened and sometimes it calls um, I learned this terminology from Lehman I don't know if y'all have ever heard him he's a wonderful author but um, does a lot of parenting books you have to pull the rug out from underneath them, if you know what I mean. So like they, they're they consistently doing a certain behavior and that, and you just can't, uh, it's, it, as much as you've addressed it, it's not going away. We all are going out for ice cream right now. Um, you're you're gonna miss that and why? And so everybody gets ice cream, but that, that kid, um, I've, I've done it before and boy is it effective, but um, Sometimes they just need to be taken by surprise and That's right. um, because they need to know that you've tried several times and you need to send that message. And you tell them I love you and I hope you could join us next time, you know. Right. And that might sound harsh, but it, it does send the message. Awesome. Our next two questions are going to combine into one. How should your parenting strategy adjust during the teenage years and is it okay to be friends with your children? Well, I would say teenage years absolutely no spanking I was I wanted to address that earlier like if you are spanking like not past the age 10 and please if they're not over 18 months just they're too young they're um, of accountability and doing that in private when you do do that because it's you, you don't want to you want to make that um, not an embarrassing thing for your kid sorry I was backtracking a little bit but um, natural consequences are huge here in the in the teenage years That's right. and the contracts like sitting like we've um, I believe that um, Chrissy spoke about this earlier just having that conversation with them going back to that contract but bonding is huge at this age like you need to spend time with your kids they're about to leave mm-hmm. and you need to get involved in their interest if they're bas- if they like to play basketball go out on the court and play basketball with them like if your son likes to game, get on the computer, game with them. But take some time to really get to know and um, what they like and do things. Help them know how important they are to you. Um, oh, and this is also the time that they're, this dialectical conversations are going on. They're very rhetoric. They want to have a debate with you. Yes. So you have got to learn that it's not a debate. And um, ask questions to kind of diffuse. Use humor mm-hmm. when you can. 
Um, if they have a point, allow them to speak about their point. Say, okay, I want you to give me a reason why you want to do this and give me some biblical back backup exactly. on this. And, and let them have a conversa- conversation with you. Let them debate, but a healthy debate. We have to teach our kids how to debate healthy, you know, in a healthy way and be respectful and hear one another out. Listen to them. That That is huge. And what was the second part, Chrissy? Being a friend. Being a friend. Okay. I... We have, we're going to be friends with them eventually when they get to be adults. We have yes. to make sure that we have that boundary. Um, there are certain things that we don't need to be discussing with our kids. Um, but as they get older, there's a little bit more that you're going to discuss with them that yes. you might have not discussed with them when they were younger. But we can't look at them as a friend. We have to look at them as this, this child that God has entrusted to us to teach, to discipline, to, to love, and to to just teach them to go out into the into the real world. We're preparing them to be kingdom workers and um, and standing firm. So. Because they have their peer group, and mm-hmm. during this time, this is where they start pulling a little bit away from us, right? Yes. They, they start listening to their peer group. But I hope we're still having conversations. That's what Betsy's saying. There's there's a place for us at the table as a guide, as a, as a mentor, and having those conversations with them, hey, what were you and your friends talking about? Oh, well, you know, we're just talking about this. But asking those questions, well, I'd, I'd really like to know what, you know, how so-and-so doing? What's that looking like? Um, and we want to be at the table with those conversations. We want to we wanna know what's going on. And we do want to spend time with them. And they start changing. You start having different conversations. I might even say a little more friendly, right? Mm-hmm. But we are still their parent. We're still entrusted to give them boundaries and that's why, you know, I, I had a teenager one time say to me, yeah, well, my mom's not my best friend. I said, well, she's not your best friend now, but she will be at some point. But the thing about it is discipline is hard. Being a parent is hard. But what we're trying to do is do everything with love. Yes. And we are trying to show them that we're also human. You're going to mess up. You're going to yell at your kids. You're going to have a time where you're... <laughs> not acting right yourself and your son is going to say mom I think you need to have a timeout and you're going to say you know what you're right mom is going to go have a timeout and I'm going to come back and I'm going to apologize and I'm going to say you know mom kind of got angry there I I didn't say the right words to you that I should have said do you forgive me you know, I, I have to ask my kids for forgiveness a lot. And I know there's some parents listening that say, oh, I'm not asking my kids for forgiveness. I'm the parent. Well, I don't know what to say that to you except the fact that we're not perfect and our kids need to see that they're not perfect either. And sometimes we do have to make it right. And I do have to tell them, I'm so sorry. I was trying to point you to the Lord today, but that that what I did did not point you to the Lord. That, that pointed to mom's selfishness. And I'm sorry for that. Do you forgive me? You know? And I I need to do that. They need to know that. They need to see that in their friend's relationship and things like that. So Absolutely. And I think that teaches them so much about giving grace to other people. When we're able to tell them when we screw up, and then they can can forgive themselves and get through. Because a lot of times you see um, difficulties with teenagers because they've messed up. And we've been so hard hard on them or... They, are, they, they feel so guilty that they continue in the behavior. And so if we're sharing when we mess up with them, 
they are going to be able to give themselves grace and other people grace, and that's huge. That points right back to what Christ did for us. And yeah. and, and I will end on this. I, ha- I have told um, my children, you know, you can tell mom anything. Now, there might be a consequence for what you tell me, but I always love you. There could be nothing that you tell me that is going to make me, like, get rid of you, uh, get so upset that I don't love you because that's just not true. There might be a consequence. There might not. I might be so happy that you told me the truth and, and there's a natural consequence that has caused you to be so upset. That might be enough. But I want you to be, I want you to come to me and, and be able to tell me that and talk with me. And I think we've got to make sure, especially for teenagers, that they feel open because that shame and that internalizing really can lead to other other difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. So our next question is, how do you help a child exhibiting symptoms of depression or extreme sadness? Well, I'll say the, the first thing is, um, when was the last time you got a wellness checkup? Um, because a lot of times depression can be attributed to a physical situation. Not always, but that would be my question. Have you had a physical checkup? Especially if they're older or they're younger. When was the last time you had that physical checkup? Number two, then I think we need to explore, like, have we talked to them, like, about what's going on? Have we researched, like, around, is there some kind of trigger? Did this sadness happen because something happened at school? Um, did something happen we didn't know about? Can we research with the teacher? Have they been acting like this at school? Yes. And then I think having conversations with our children on, hey, are we getting enough sleep? Sleep is a big factor as well. Hey, this is what happens journaling, giving them some things to do, physical activity. Ooh, some coping have, skills. Right. Physical activity. Have they been getting, you know, in this age of COVID, we're having, you know, a lot of now kids are going back to school, but let's say they're in quarantine or last time when they were having online school. We're sitting in front of a desk all the time. We're on the tech. So when was the last time they actually were doing some exercise, right? Right. That helps release those things. And then if they are sad, like teaching them, hey, we need to pray. Let me pray for you. Let's let's talk about like some things we can do, journaling, um, all these coping skills, but deep breathing. And then if it doesn't seem like those things are working, then I definitely would consider talking to, you know, maybe a counselor, maybe a yeah. pastor maybe another adult that is uh, a safe person for that person. But but really, um, and it's okay. I don't want anybody, bringing your child to a counselor it is not going to label them, okay? Sometimes they need someone outside of their family circle Absolutely. to talk to. And sometimes it might be they go to that counselor two times and like, Mom, thank you. That was so awesome. I really enjoyed talking to that lady. I'm cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, you definitely, if, if something has not changed over, I would say probably four, four weeks and it's pretty consistent behavior and you've done a lot of these other things, probably do need to um, look at some kind of outside help or at least going to a counselor to talk or someone who's trained. And But I would, I would search for a Christian counselor. Of course. And maybe even talk to your pastor about it because they have resources. Yes. Um, I will talk from experience. Um, um with one of my children earlier on having a lot of like just hate talk to himself 
And um, just, we had to just go back in the Bible and talk about like, well, you know, if you can't forgive yourself and like, there was just a lot of shame going on and just going back to like why Jesus died for us. Because I mean, like he would have, he did this for nothing. If you can, if you're giving yourself such a hard time and just praying over him. And I know we prefaced it on before on that, but I just like, I think that's huge when it comes to depression. Um, Well, and I think sometimes too, if they are internally struggling with where to make the decision, sometimes the spiritual warfare can play into that. Absolutely. Oh, electronics. So sometimes, I mean, we are electronics. Sometimes you really need to explore that, that side too, because our kids are able to get access to a lot of things. If we don't have restrictions, and I know this is going on to other questions, but um, that can really pull them into a dark side. So we've got to be, um, you know, monitoring that and and find out what are they viewing and And um, what are their friends saying to them. Exactly. There could be some bullying going on at school. That's right. Yeah. All right. Our next question is, is bringing your kids to church enough? If not, how do I help them grow at home? What if I don't know enough or I don't feel worthy enough to lead them at home? So I would say um, bringing your church, your kids to church is awesome. Continue. That's great. But we do need to be modeling at home and, and having spiritual conversations constantly, um, talking to, um, trying to develop in them a, a, time, a quiet time, teaching them how to read the word and on their own. And um, if, you're, if you're studying something, share it with them. Talk to them about what you, what you study. A lot of times... We, God brings us to the, the Holy Spirit brings us to the word and we're studying something and we don't even realize why we're studying it until something happens in our lives. And that happens with our kids too. I find that, um, I'll be like, Hey, I just read something on that. And so we have that conversation, you know, what the word of God says, we just need to make sure that, Oh, also just bringing them, having friends, you know, doing life with other Christians is huge because those are the people that are going to impact your, your kids' mm-hmm. lives. That's okay, right. you're with them the most of the time, but there comes a point when they want to hear another voice. And so um, if, they're ki- if they're friends or um, hearing the same things from parents, like, like-minded people uh, that are going to church and just doing life, they know who to go to if they're having a hard time. Um, those are their influences. That's, that's big. Now, and I think if you're worried about feeling worthy to lead them, I think you need to go back and remember your identity is in Christ and he has entrusted you as a parent to lead them. And there are resources out there that you can use. Number one, the Bible. Okay. Um, I don't say that flippantly, but I'm saying we're not, you know, the Bible has a lot of things to say. Reading that with your kids, getting a storybook Bible for the younger kids, uh, reading that with them. Um, that Bible that Lacey gives the children here is a really excellent and interactive. So um, if you want a resource for that, talk with her. Also, I would say there are so many catechism apps. We did that with Reed and Rebecca together. There's an older version and a kid version. They're fun. And if you don't know a lot about it, it's, it's, it's good learning for the parents too. Um, it's just kind of theological questions in a different way. Um, and and uh, they're real fun. Uh, you know, and so I think you've got to be remembering that your identity is in Christ and that is who the authority is in your life. And you are worthy to lead your children because Christ is worthy and he's the one that made us worthy. And so I hope that if you hear anything Betsy and I have said today or anytime is 
you're that kid's parent. God entrusted you to take care of them. And, and that is our number one responsibility as parents is growing disciples. Yes. Of other people. More importantly, your children, our children. All right. We have three more questions for today's podcast. The next one is how much screening should I do with my kids technology and how much screen time should I allow them to have? And how should this change as they get older? So I would start off with saying, like, you are the authority. If your child's in your home, you, um, you, have, you always have the right to screen what your children are watching. So there are so many different safety devices. Um, now there's, that you, there's apps that you could put on. There's timers that you could put on um, that you can use that are available to us. When they're young, we don't, let me go back a little bit. We used to have the computer in our living room, right? When we grew up, right, Chrissy? Like, so right. your parents saw what you were doing. Everything's at your fingertips now. So we need to ask our kids, especially when they're younger, to be watching those devices in the living room where you're passing through. Um, and I know that's hard, but there's so much out there. Maybe when they start getting older, like 11 years old or so, if you they've developed a trust you open it up a little bit more. Maybe you can view it in your room because you've shown me, but the door's open. You can view it in your room. You show me that you are trustworthy, but these are the perimeters. This is what you're allowed to watch, and this is what you're not allowed to watch. They know, you know, and you kinda, and you have to monitor that. You have to check up. Um, there's like Messenger app and different things that you can you can watch, and you know exactly who your kids are talking to and you can approve of who they're talking to, you know the conversations that are going on, you could take their phone, have it up ahead of time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at your phone because it's not about you, me not trusting you. There's, I have to, I don't trust everything that's yes. out there and I have to watch because I don't know your friends that's as right. much as I know you. Especially if it's friends that are, that are not um, people that you do life with. But still, even those that do life with because you, you're, you can develop those conversations um, and just, I don't, the, I think when they're driving though, like there needs to be a phone. Yes. They need to have a phone because there's safety in that. Right. And so right. like if there's an accident and they're on the side of the road, they need to be able to have a device to call. Right. Now how you go about that, do they need internet service? I mean, that's all going to be a personal decision that's on right. what you believe that you could trust your kid to do. Every kid is so different. And we know that there are some parents that children are home. Safety. Safety. Situation. They're at home and they need a, a way to call. So I think everything Betsy said is true. And honestly, you search their history. Yes. You, you look at the phone. You search history. Now, I will. I just have a caveat here that I would like to say. If, you're, if your teenager is on Instagram, you know, you're not really supposed to be 13 until you have your own Instagram account. I've seen a lot of kids younger than 13. That means their parents had to set up an account for them or either they lied on their birthday. So however you want to deal with that. But I will say that I think you have to put the parameters around what that is. You have to be their friend on there. If they are on Instagram, you you better be a friend and following them. Yes, That's all I'm mm-hmm. going to say about yes. that. And, um, and I think one thing that Betsy said is we've got to have that conversation and be loving. Hey, I trust you, but you're right. I, I don't know this person and I, I don't, I don't want you to follow them and be their friend. I mean, or let's see what happens with this. If you want to follow this person, then I need to be involved in what this person is saying. 
Um, and I think that's just very real. I think we don't do enough of monitoring the screen time. I'm not going to sit here and say what's right or what's not right. You can look up a lot of stats on how young kids view pornography. By five years old, they yes. have seen pornography. I'm just going to say that right now because it's very disturbing. You can look up those statistics. And so I hope that you are monitoring that. And it is your house. You bought the electronic and you by all means have the ability to monitor that and should. Right. So it's that upfront beforehand is big key. But if you have not had that upfront conversation, there's do it now. nothing. Yeah, do it now. It's not too late to back up and say, hey, I mom made a poor decision and um, I shouldn't have done that to you. Right. You take the blame for it and don't shame the child. Say, I made a mistake. This happened, but it's because of what I did. And let's back up and, and don't shame yourself. Yes. I mean, but say, God has redeemed. He's going to redeem it. And if they mess up, like, and they said, Mom, I saw this thing. It's on my phone. Then say, okay, thank you for telling me. All right, what do we do with this? Let's let's not do that. Let's talk about why we shouldn't have seen that. I don't know who did that. Okay, good. This is why we don't look at that. You know, just respond openly but then we yes. say we don't we don't want that thank you for telling me but let's talk about why we don't want to go to this site or if your friend sent you that we don't we need to not yeah. be friends with that friend right and okay. make a huge deal not, not that. like that on the on the technical we maybe we don't need to be exchanging technical messages we've right. got to put the boundaries up yeah. on that but when they're honest make it huge yes I mean, celebrate that all right, our next question is, my child never wants to sleep. Should I fight with them about their bedtime? Also, how do you handle bedtime with preteens? All right, well, uh, I do not fight with children about bedtime. Now, look, I do tell them to go to their room, right? There does need to be a time where they're in their room. If they can't get up the next day and go to school and they look like they're tore up from the floor up because they didn't get up, well, that's a natural consequence. We're going to be marching out the door. Uh, now, of course, I say that, but it's true. You can do different things. You can have the bedtime. You need to establish a routine, Yes. especially for smaller kids. Hey, this is what we're going to do. Do not be watching a TV show right before bedtime that's riled them up. Like we're watching WWA wrestling with little boys. They're not going to go to sleep after they just watch that. They want to be jumping off the couch jumping doing the move so look at your look at your routine okay are we doing the teeth brushing are we you know taking a shower before we go to bed i don't know um are we praying are we having a few downtime a few minutes let's pray let's let's bring it back to the lord and let's leave it in there hey you, you're welcome to be in your bed lights are going to be going out at this time yeah. you know and if they're older that is a good one especially they should be doing their own checklist Hey, I need you in your room, but the phone, yes. okay, the phone doesn't need to be in the room at night because if they're staying up looking at that, that could be a distraction. We don't allow the phone in the, in the bedroom at night right. with the, with the preteen, but that's, you know, they can be outside plugged in. Yeah. Also, even for me, I plug mine in far away from myself because if we looking on that before we go to bed, everything is there. But I think that's what you do. This is the expectation you're in your room. Lights are out. Now, I don't know what they're doing. They might not be sleeping, but they're so, in the room. And then I try to go check on them. Like maybe I give them that 30 minute time. You're reading a book, whatever. 30 minutes light's going to go out. Right. So remove the distractions because exactly. a lot of times there's just distractions that, that are going on. And so you need to make those 
those things firm. Um, no electronics in the room at night if it's what's keeping them up. I mean, whatever that distraction is, take it away. TV, yeah, whatever um, yes. it might be. But um, also, I go back to get a physical exam. There might be something going on with your child. I mean, or like exploring the issue, like are they scared of the dark? You know, right. like so I still lay down with my six-year-old uh, at night a lot just to help her get down to bed, and there's nothing wrong with that. But know what the issue is. Um, explore that issue. It's it's um, it's important. You want them to know that you care about them. Right. It's not it's not all about rules, but yeah. All right. Our last question for today's podcast is: How do you respond to picky eaters? I've got one of those. <laughs> so um, I think that what's important here is that you you can you need to explore it a little bit too sometimes sometimes your kids might have an ot sensory issue and an occupational therapist that's right can do so much for a kid i I have a friend who is and she's done miracles with kids um so sometimes it's that issue um other times you might just have to put on the natural consequences you're not eating what i cooked for you Um, you're not getting dessert however in our home because I do have a picky eater, I make sure that there's something on that plate that my kid will eat that I know that kid likes. So that kid is not starving, right? Um, Now, if he only eats bread, he's not getting five loaves of bread, right? But he'll get a piece of bread. But, um, and then we have the rule that you have to try at least what mama gave, um, served. You don't have to eat it, all right? And so um, it's kind of, we. and when they were younger, Sometimes we have like, okay, then if we couldn't get them to, they, they tried and they ate something that they liked and we, we, we might sometimes would go to a peanut butter and jelly, but I was not going to cook something separate for my kid. I think the same thing. We have a rule. You try at least two bites. Uh, you do not have to eat the whole thing, but you have to try two bites. And we always have one thing on the menu that we know we're going to eat. Of course, I live in a <laughs> different culture most of the time. And we have to do that because it would be offensive to the family if my children did not at least eat some of the things on the plate. So we have to practice that, you know, in the house. But I think definitely, you've just got to kind of deal with that differently. I, I would not fight about it and argue about it, though. Well, thank you so much, Miss Christie and Miss Betsy, for being with us. This is part one, so stay tuned for part two later. And I want to remind you that we also have resources at the church in our library if you want to explore more on parenting. Thank you all so much, and see you all next time. That wraps up everything for today's episode, and we hope you enjoyed listening. If you liked today's episode, Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date on all future content we release. We also want to let you know about our website, fbcbsl.org, where you can find further information on our church, our sermon library, and much more content there. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll catch you in the next one.